Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hour number three. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The bottom of the hour. Randy Hahn, San Jose Sharks play-by-play voice for NBC Sports California. Flames and Sharks playing the second half of their double dip in San Jose tonight. Puck drop just after 8.30. We got you covered here on Sportsnet 960. But joining us on the line right now, covering the Flames for the Athletic on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, we said good morning to our friend, Julian McKenzie. Julian, what's going on? Good morning, friends. How's everyone doing? This sounds like a really smooth late night show. (laughs) That is. That's very smooth. Very smooth, jazzy (laughs) voice coming in. Um, Can I share an idea I had that I want you and Maddie to maybe be the first edition of on our show. Absolutely. So uh, when I come back, it'll be the Friday I come back. So the second Friday in January, I believe like the mm-hmm. 13th or whatever that day that is. Um, Can you eat hot stuff? Are you a hot sauce kind of guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm down. Okay. Uh, Maddie Rose, are you, because I know you have a very sensitive palate. Yeah. I've seen you uh, gag eating uh, warmed mayonnaise on top of popcorn. Yeah. But can you eat hot stuff? Yeah, I can do hot stuff. Okay, so this is my idea for you guys. Uh, I want you guys, but Julian, you have to come in studio to do this, unfortunately. I'm a, this is like the second, I'm, look, I'm literally looking at my calendar right now. So this is the second Friday of the new year. Yeah, which is what day? The 13th. Yeah, are you good for the 13th to come in at 8.30 Friday? If I am not away, then yes. I We still got to figure out some travel stuff, but uh, I have a good feeling I'll be here. Okay, so uh, this is what I want to do. I want to have you and Maddie Rose. I will give you a Flames take that you guys uh, need to you know extrapolate on, break down, while trying hot sauce before you answer the question. And the takes will get progressively hotter as the hot sauce progressively gets hotter. Are you guys down for both of that? So basically hot ones, but with flame steaks. I'm down. Pretty much. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. So, like, I have experience doing the hot ones uh, for, uh, I remember uh, a good friend of mine back home in Montreal, Andrew Berkshire, who has his own show called Game Over Montreal. We did an Mm -hmm. episode after a Canadian's uh, Red Wings game where we talked about the Canadians and we ate like the eggs, not just wings with hot sauce, but we ordered the exact set of sauces from a particular season of that show. So I have experience. All right. So uh, there is a hot sauce uh, store here in Niagara. I'm going to visit and I'm going to pick up some really hot sauce for you guys. Maybe try it on a cracker because it's early in the morning and then progressively and then try to give a flames take. I think we'll have a lot of fun with that. I I'm I'm down for that idea. Let's okay. do it. I feel I fear for Maddie though a little bit. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in bad, but I'll, I'll make do. I'm, I'll be fine. Okay, uh, I'm 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 totally looking forward to that. Um, what I'm also looking forward to tonight, Julian, is watching Milan Lucic on the second line. Are you? I don't get that combination. <laughs> I I just don't get it. But I'll say this about Milan Lucic: like, I was I was happy that he got that goal the other night. There's a guy who, you know, was sitting those last few games in the press box and he was telling us in the media that, you know, he just from the, he has got some pretty good perspectives from where he was watching and, you know, was telling us we should watch from ice level. 
But also, I think uh, for a guy like him, I thought his first few games of the year were not that bad. I thought the energy he was trying to bring uh, was was at least somewhat helpful. It just got to a point where his contributions were just getting a little bit more and more um, not as significant as you would like. And it got to a point where even Daryl Sutter had no choice but to not have him in the but to just kind of exclude him from the lineup. So the fact that he was able to get that goal against San Jose and you could see him going off to to his teammates being like, hey, come on, like, let that goal count for me. Like, yeah, like, I get it. Like, you, you absolutely, absolutely would want a goal like that. But to put him on a second line with with Hubert and Kadri, I wonder, I wonder about that. I, I, I wonder, and and I've seen some people say that maybe it's a, it's a, you're you're getting that third line of Mandrapani, Backlund, and Coleman, which apparently was a thing last year. And is it to get that going? But also, that doesn't really. I don't know. Like Huberto looked as if he was meshing with Kadri and Mandrapani. That might have been the best that that those three guys looked together because they've tried that line before and it wasn't nearly as effective. So I I have a lot of questions about why. Lucic would get that second line spot, but there's a reason why I'm here and I'm not in, in San Jose coaching. <laughs> now, do you, do you see that? Because when I look at it, I see it more as, okay, is this what Lucic has done or is this maybe Daryl Sutter not liking what he's had from some of the other guys? And the one guy I look at is Adam Razichka, who was lined up on a fourth line role yesterday with those lines. Um, Manjapani, obviously, down to the third. But like you mentioned, Julian, they've played together in the past. Do you think that might be part of it too, that they're just maybe not getting some of the contributions from some of the other guys that have been ahead of Lucic recently? Sure. But I mean, Lucic for a good, remember he was in the doghouse. Oh and yeah. He gets one goal and then he gets put to the second line. I mean, I guess, look, it's clear. Milan Lucic means a lot to that team. And I don't want to come across as if I'm someone who is absolutely devaluing what he brings to the team. I absolutely I get that people look at the analytics and they're like, dude, he doesn't bring anything. You look at the stats and you can be like, yeah, well, what is he doing? He's just a luck. But I'm willing to look at that other side as well and say like, hey, like he does bring something to the lineup when he's there. I'm, I'm willing to keep an open mind for that. But at the same time, like, like I, I need to see how the line works. Mm. I'll say this. I felt very skeptical about the fact that uh, Milan Lucic got put on a line once upon a time in the season with Tyler Toffoli and Elias Lindholm. And I think that line ended up being pretty decent when they when they played that game, the first game at least, together. And Lucic and Toffoli had played with each other a lot in Los Angeles at even strength. So maybe they see something there. I guess I'm more just worried that Kadri's a fast guy, Huberto's not the fastest guy, but I think he 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 relies on being quick. And maybe they're thinking if they want to generate some offense, maybe they put Lucic at the net front, and that's an opportunity for them to get shots, him to get tips because of the way that they're able to distribute the puck and get shots on. Maybe that's what he's seeing. Uh, but I got to see it. I would have liked to see Matthew Phillips get a little bit of a look. Like, I haven't loved Adam Rizicka's last couple games. And the easy swap to me would have been Matt Phillips in for where Adam Rizicka was skating and you keep that fourth line together or you go with the 11 and 7 if you have to because, you know, we don't really know the status of Todorov and Gilbert. Like, the, I feel like that that might have been an option as well with uh, Matthew Phillips maybe getting a look here. That's a fair point. I, I think in the limited amount of time we've seen from Matty Phillips, he hasn't been that bad. Uh, I was very surprised that he got called up. Not because I don't want to see him succeed, but... I guess I just felt with the way the roster was built, 
you know, Matty Phillips getting called up, maybe it wasn't going to happen. But then you see him get called up and you see that it's announced Brad Living has made the call up, which that doesn't happen for any other call up as far as I've seen, unless I'm missing something like this is this is something I this, I this is just my feel. I feel like an issue was being slightly forced here. And Matty Phillips got his opportunities in the lineup and he went to the net. He was trying to go where goals are scored and he wasn't completely flatlined out there. He was trying to objectively, you know, at least even if he wasn't going to have the puck on his stick all the time and try to get shots on, he was at least going to the areas where he knows he has to go in order to be successful. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I get it. I think if he was able to get another opportunity uh, to play tonight against San Jose, especially considering they played against them on Sunday, I think it would have been fair. I think it would have been a, a, an ideal time to see what you still have in him. Absolutely. Do you think um, we'll see a lot more of Huberto and Lindholm back together for this season? Because I feel like we won't. So earlier this year when they had Ruzichka and Lindholm, I remember I think after that game, the first game they had them together, Daryl Sutter was saying something along the lines of, you know, Lindholm likes playing with Ruzichka. And it's important not to tweak with your top line center that much. And since then, we've seen Huberto back on that line. And now we're seeing Dylan Dubé there. I'm going to say we're going to see Lindholm and Huberto again together. Because at this point, with the way that the lineup is built, like, you know, if, if Huberto can't get going with Kadri to the way the team likes, where else are you going to put him? I mean, you put him back with Backlund, sure. And they looked okay in that little time they were together. And they still put him back with Lindholm and and, and Toffoli. Dylan Dubé has been playing really well these last 10 games. If he cools off, you get probably get sent back down to the second line or you put him on a third. What does that do? You bump up Jonathan Huberdeau. They, they need production from the left wingers. And I think their way right now is to try to shuffle those guys. It's kind of like, 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 having like your favorite toy and you put batteries in it and you're hoping that they work and like you take the batteries and you shake them and you hope, okay, this, these set of batteries are working for a few minutes and then, okay, they stop working. You put in a new set. Like it kind of feels like that now where they're trying to get something off that left-hand side to just work. And I think until they find something that is like dynamite, like it's, it's, if they're just going to keep shuffling those lines I, I i think we'll see lindholm and 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 huberto together before the end of the year surely I, I i wouldn't be surprised how good was it for jacob markstrom to get that win just because i feel like he's been playing some decent hockey lately uh much different than a few weeks back when he said i just suck at the sport right now and finally gets the result it had been almost a month since he actually gotten in the win column it, it matters a lot to him um, we had talked to him after uh, some games in Montreal comes to mind, a few other games last week, and he would not. He wasn't the problem. There, I forget which team it was, but there was the stretch where he did allow those two goals in the first few seconds, but then he cleaned up his game the rest of the way and tried to hold down the fort. And in particular against Montreal, I remember you know we're going to him and and we're like, hey, like after a game like that. Or at least I tried to ask him about that. It's like after a game like that, like, are you still able to take some kind of positives? And he's like, no, like we lost. Jacob Markstrom is like this realist where if, you know, he could make 50 saves in a game 
But if he allows that one goal and the other goalie does not, he's just going to give it to you straight and just be like, no, I did not play well enough. And he knows the standard that he has to play in order to be at the level he wants to be at, which is a very good thing. Uh, but I, I think for him to actually see a result and get a win, that is more encouraging for, for him compared to him just having all these games where, oh, okay, he allowed two goals. He had a 970 something safe percentage in this other game, but he didn't get a win. And at this point, considering where the Flames are at, too, you know, they all need wins to keep pace uh, just in the playoff picture. So I think it was really good for for Jacob Markstrom for him to get that victory. Looking at the blue line, um, do you think there's a bit of a panic setting in when you watch Nikita Zadorov leave like that? The, the big Russian doesn't usually kind of take off in the same sense that we saw him leave after he blocked that shot in the game uh, Sunday night. Yeah, Um I, I, it's a bit of a shame if it ends up being something where it kind of affects his play uh, for the next little while. He's a guy who I think was playing pretty well uh, for a good chunk of the year. I mean, we all we all know how much Chris Tanev means to that back core, but I thought Nikita Zadorov was using his physical presence uh, at times where they need to go on the attack. The fact that he's able to streak to the front of the net and, and get some chances there and, and make them count, like I think that's a huge, huge, po- huge point for them. Uh, yes, he'll make some mistakes from time to time, but I think you, you can make an argument he's been the team's most underrated player through the first 30-something-odd games. So, yeah, it, 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 you obviously got to look at him and make sure it's not a bit of a concern because that, that, that back line already with Tanev, you know, we don't know if he'll be back today. We know he's been skating for a little bit. They need him back there, but they cannot afford another hit back there. Covers the Flames from the Athletic. Julian McKenzie joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. I know adding a scoring winger has been a big topic of discussion in this city for months and months and months. Um, but are we getting to the point now where this team needs to add another blue liner in the bottom pair? If they're able to afford it, yes. That's the big thing with this team. Uh, they do not have a lot of cap space to play with. Uh, I think it's probably still a little over a million on on cap friendly right now. So if they're looking to add a defenseman who can play on that bottom pair, they're going to have to go in the bargain bin and and hope someone on waivers who's available uh, can do the job for them. So just like everyone likes to look on online at about noon our time and see that, oh, this guy's on waivers, put in that waiver claim. Or you you hope that someone in your farm system, maybe Nick DeSimone, is good enough to to get that call up and 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 put him in that situation. If Dennis Gilbert, you already have Dennis Gilbert up, then you know Nick DeSimone is probably the next guy in that in that line. But if you're looking for a different, um, if you're looking for a different player from the outside to come in, I would think it's more likely they pursue that person. Uh, you know, just if they're they're hanging around on on waivers, or because uh, just because if they trade for it at this point, right? Like they have five draft picks, and I wonder how much they want to you know use those just to get like a depth player, considering the fact that the cupboard is as bare as it is, and they need draft picks for for this coming year's draft. So I, I, I would I, just my feeling more than anything is just if they need. At that position, I think they need more at, at the scoring winger spot. But if they want to go there, I would that would be my guess that they would try to get someone off waivers if, if they could, if just be advantageous about it. Someone on a pretty low contract, someone making league min, 
that's someone who could probably work and, and fit there. But also, they have a guy like Nick DeSimone who's played a few games for them this year. They can always call up if they need to. That might be the quick fix. But that, that just goes to show the fact that they don't have a lot of salary cap space to play with. They would have to make a they would have to move some stuff around in order to to get to a point where they could afford more guys. So it's a bit of a difficult situation there. Yeah, we were talking to Tim McAuliffe earlier on in our program uh, back just after 7, and, and he was talking about the salary cap and how it's really impacted teams like the Leafs and the Oilers. And I think you can throw the Flames right in there as a team that's right up against the salary cap, probably would like to spend a little bit more right now, but but haven't been able to. Kind of in the vein of what you were just talking about, whether you're going out and you're getting a big score or you're adding some more defensive depth like what type of assets would you be comfortable with this team moving out right now would you be comfortable with them moving out a blue chipping prospect or any of those draft picks that you mentioned like you obviously could look to 2024 but once again they only got five picks in 2024 already so there's a lot of kind of assets that the flames have that i look at as almost hamstrung and not really able to be necessarily used in some of these deals and at the same time, with the players that they have and the contracts that they've signed, they're in a win now mode for the next few years. Like they, they can't, they can't afford to. I don't. I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I, they can't afford to punt this year. They can't afford to punt next year and be like, all right, we're gonna be better next year. Like they have guys in their prime right now who signed on to win right now. So at the same time, uh, while they don't have a lot of draft picks. And the prospects that they do have, they only have so many. If it gets to a point where the Flames say, hey, you know what? What's up, San Jose? What's up? Uh, what's the asking price on Timo Meyer? And I get he's a rental. But other teams are going to ask, too. You have to start thinking about, like, what player or asset you're going to have to give up in order to make that work. Because he's a rental, it should result in a situation where you're not giving up the world uh, to get this player unless you find a way to to get him to commit. And even then, there's, there's all that salary you have to deal with. But um, in terms of being comfortable of, of what you can give up, it really depends on the player you're trying to bring in, right, and and what their salary situation is. But I know it's, it's a really interesting situation where you don't have a lot of salary to play with, you don't have the – like you're trying to manage your assets, but – with the players at where they're at in their careers and the contracts you sign them to and try to maximize what should be their peak. Like, you, and considering where they're on the standings too, you cannot, I don't think the Flames could afford to be in a situation where they're just like, you know what? We're just going to sit with these assets and not do anything. And we believe in our core. Like they're going to have to do something. There's going to be more pressure in a few months, I think, but it, it's a really unique situation for, for Bradshaw living to maneuver through. And also, we don't know what his future is because his contract expires at the end of the season. It's a very interesting situation. Mm. Julian, as we head towards Christmas, uh, we all start kind of looking at the standings. And this morning in the Pacific Division, it's Vegas, Los Angeles, Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary. Out of those three teams in the top, Vegas is the only one that Flames and Oilers fans should be worried about, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I think with the, and I mean, even Daryl Sutter has mentioned that like how good Vegas is and the fact that they've had the season they've had is remarkable. At the beginning of the year, everyone thought, hmm, are they able to make it work with Logan Thompson? Logan Thompson looks like a Calder Trophy nominee as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, I, I would think they're the biggest one. It's just that they've had games against Seattle where that speed that they come with and the youth that they have, for whatever reason, it has given them 
uh, is giving them a bit of trouble. But also, if I think that last game they played against them, the Flames did lead. They just kind of eased off off the gas pedal with those guys. So they just need to maintain that level of of focus. So I'm not so Vegas obviously is the team they should worry about the most. But I, I really think when they when it comes time for them to play Seattle next week, uh, they're going to need they, – they should keep that last result in mind. And that's a game where they know for sure they have to play 60 minutes. I'm not convinced with L.A. anymore. I thought they'd be a playoff team, but I think the goaltending this year has not worked out for them. And I'm not – I mean, unless it gets to a point where they really go God mode in the second half of the year, um, you know, maybe there's something for them there. But – I think if you're Calgary, I think you're hoping that a combination of Seattle and L.A. kind of fall out and you're able to kind of go back up in that top three. But it's also possible the Calgary Flames just get it as a wild card. Hmm. Julian McKenzie covers the Calgary Flames for the Athletic. Julian, great stuff, pal. All the best during the holidays. We'll see you in the new year. Likewise, man. Happy holidays to you both. Uh, and that was brought to you by the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, or call 403-248-3344. Golden Knights, Kings, Kraken right now, top three in the Pacific Division. Yeah. Come the Masters. Maddie, the first Sunday or the second Sunday in April. Second Sunday? Yeah. I think so. Um, What's the top three in the Pacific Division look like to you? Top three in the Pacific Division to me will be Vegas, Seattle, Calgary. I don't think Seattle's going anywhere. Yeah. I I don't think so either. And I'm totally with Julian. Like, you watch the goaltending in Los Angeles, woof. Yeah, and they've got a young team like down the roster as well. Like they're relying on a lot of kind of high-end skill players to come in and play bottom six minutes, which are completely different from being the go-to guy in junior or college or whatever program you were in and coming in and asking to go up against, you know, even a Milan Lucic and a Brett Ritchie and a Trevor Lewis. It's a completely different assignment, and for a lot of those guys – It'll be a little bit of an awakening, and I just don't think that their blue line has the depth that it needs to have success. If Drew Doughty gets hurt like he did again last year, I think they're going to be in real tough, and like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. the goaltending just hasn't held up. Jonathan Quick, I think, has been exceeding expectations for where he is in his career, but when you have a guy that's Cal Peterson and signed at a $5 million hit and he's playing down in the minors, yeah, you've got a little bit of a problem between the pipes. Now, uh, Randy Hahn, San Jose Sharks play-by-play voice for NBC Sports California. Straight ahead, we'll tee up the shark side of this Flames and San Jose matchup tonight. We got it for you. Puck drop just after 8.30. It's a late one tonight. Uh, we'll do that next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show, Russick and Rose, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. To wrap up the show, Maddie, I have a Masters update for you. A Masters update? I've seen this yeah. floating around the web. I'm excited. Yeah, um, there's news. 
from the good people, and I say that very loosely, at Augusta National. <laughs> Great There's prices, news. though. Great prices on snacks. Yeah. Um, if, if you want an egg salad sandwich. Buck Fitty. Yeah, a uh, pimento sandwich. Buck Fitty. Everything's dirt cheap there. Buck Fitty. Um, Flames and Sharks tonight playing the back end of the doubleheader in San Jose. To preview that for us, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, San Jose Sharks play-by-play voice on NBC Sports California. We say good morning to Randy Hahn. Randy, how are you? Good morning. I just finished having a pimento sandwich, so I'm oh, feeling really well. Okay. Lucky. Delicious. Um, have you been to the Masters? Have you been to Augusta National? I have not. Uh, I've been to a number of PGA events, most of them in California, but I've not made it to the Masters. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't exactly put it on my bucket list, but uh, if the opportunity uh, was there, I guess I'd go. Mm-hmm. You could eat cheap. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely true. You've been to Pebble, though, right? I have been to Pebble, yes, and okay. you cannot eat cheap there. I uh, <laughs> I was there, and um, I, for $50, I got an estimate on an appetizer at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. Now I have to ask you, Randy, because I've looked into this, because obviously Pebble Beach is at a lot of golfers' bucket list. Have you, A, played the course, and, B, did you get a caddy? A, no. Uh, oh, okay. So that would wipe out B, but I did play Spyglass Hill, which is one of the Pebble courses, Ooh. and the caddies, uh, and you have to have a caddy at, Scott, at Spyglass, they claim the Spy is the best of the courses from the pure golf standpoint, where Pebble is more of the tourist favorite among tourist golfers because of the scenery and the ocean side uh, atmosphere, etc. But Spy is, according to the the caddies, that's the that's the tough one. That's the best course. Uh, maybe one day uh, Maddie and I will make our way to Pebble Beach and Spyglass to play those absolutely breathtaking golf courses. Um, how breathtaking is it watch Eric Carlson uh, play on the offensive side of the puck, Randy? And how f- maybe frustrating is it sometimes watching him play on the defensive side of the puck? Well, it hasn't been as frustrating uh, this year as it was last year and maybe the year before. Eric actually has um, made some some adjustments in that area in his game, and the team has in general because they just have been letting too many pucks in, and I don't know if that adjustment necessarily showed on Sunday night uh, in a game where they gave up five again, but uh, on the offensive side, Eric has been his best as a Shark this year. And whether that was injury or other um, factors for Eric, uh, I I suspect most of it was he wasn't 100% healthy. We just didn't see the Eric Carlson that we thought we were getting from Ottawa when we got him for most of the time he was here until this season. This season he's been spectacular. Uh, It's just been so fun to watch. Um, And the unfortunate thing is that you know the the infrastructure around him the core around him now that he's playing his best isn't what it was um you know joe pavelski's gone and patrick marlow's retired and brent burns has been traded and you know even before that joe thornton gone so this isn't the same team anymore than the one that doug wilson traded uh you know when he made the trade for carlson that he envisioned to have it's a much different team and unfortunately not a playoff team at least not now, and not trending that way. 
Randy, you mentioned the, the, the supporting talent around Eric Carlson maybe isn't what it once was in San Jose, but what has been the key to him having this resurgent offensive season? Because even watching him in that game back on Sunday, there's just certain plays when he's got the puck on his stick and you go, this is the Eric Carlson of old back when he was carrying the Ottawa Senators to the Eastern Conference Finals, seeing flashes of that. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe some of it also has to do with the fact that he's the man back there now. Um, Brent Burns is gone to Carolina, and they kind of shared the billing, if you will, on the blue line. You know, when that trade was made, the Sharks had Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic, and Vlasic was still, you know, at at the top of his game as a stay-home defenseman. And and we were drooling at the prospect of, you know, the, the amount of minutes those guys play, you're going to have one of them on the ice all the time, maybe two of them on the ice most of the time. But then because of injury through any one of those three, that never really happened. Um, but maybe the fact that Eric is now uh, alone back there as far as the premier puck-moving defenseman, um, He's getting all the offensive looks. He's getting all the power play looks. And David Quinn's also been very good with his ice time. He's not using him to kill penalties anymore, which Bob Bugner did. And maybe that little bit of extra freshness that he has in his legs. uh, You know, he's not an old guy, but he's not a kid anymore either. Uh, It it seems to have helped. And, And Quinn's also been very good with the guys and you guys can appreciate the, the West Coast travel and, and things of that nature. Plus, the Sharks have been to Europe, then they went to the East Coast, then they went to the Midwest, then they went back to the East Coast in the first two months. So maybe that he's been very good about giving them uh, optionals on game days and things like that uh, to keep the team fresh, and that seems to have helped Carlson more than anybody. Where does this team miss Brent Burns the most? Because I think when that deal was made, it made sense for maybe the trajectory that the Sharks were on and, and how much term was left on Burns' deal with just the two more seasons. But nevertheless, when you subtract a guy like that from your lineup, it's going to have a, a big impact. So where have they missed him the most? Well, you know, they, they've missed the playoffs the last three years with him in the lineup. So I'm not sure that, that we see the, the impact of the subtraction from a make-the-playoffs, not-make-the-playoffs standpoint. Obviously, Burns was a huge presence back there, a huge presence in the dressing room, a huge presence in the community. When you think about the hockey fans in San Jose and in the Bay Area, you've lost four iconic names uh, in the last six or seven years, guys that you know fans just grew to get used to seeing at the games and guys that sold tickets and guys that people would watch the games to see, Thornton, Burns, Pavelski and Marlowe, you know, that's, that's taking big uh, profile players out of an organization. It's been reflected in the attendance. Um, although I'd, I'd, I would suggest if the Sharks were a, a first place team or a, or a playoff team, at least attendance would be a lot better, but uh, I think they've, they've missed Burns in all those areas and off the ice is one of them. Randy Hahn is the play-by-play voice for the San Jose Sharks for NBC Sports California. Joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, Randy, th- there's some whispers that maybe teams are inquiring about Logan Couture. Is that a guy that potentially might get moved at the deadline here? And if so, uh, what would an organization be acquiring in that guy? Well, I think that... Mike Greer is he's in a situation where the Sharks um, right now, I think they're 10 points out of a wild card. It's not looking, as I said, trending toward a team that's going to 
make a run here uh, to be in the playoffs. They would need to have a seven or eight or nine game winning streak and hopefully make up some ground. And it's probably a little easier in the Western Conference than the East, just the way things are set up. But um, based on the, your premise, I, I think that everybody's available. Um, and there's been reports that um, Greer is willing to talk to other teams about anybody other than Tomas Hurdle. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not. Mike has not confirmed whether he said that or not. But the situation they're in and the cap situation they're in as they try and improve this franchise and have some maneuverability in that area, uh, he's got to look at moving big salary players. Now, Logan is one of those. Uh, He's also the captain of the team. I think he's a really good captain, a a good leader. But what you get in Logan Couture is a guy that, uh, if you look at his career, has perpetually been able to elevate his game come playoff time in a way that a lot of other players can't. And he also, in elevating his play, seems to pull a lot of other players along at playoff time. So I think he would be a very sought-after piece by a lot of teams in the play, in the playoffs. Uh, he's a center. Uh, he's a good two-way center. He's going to score his 25 goals a year for sure, uh, 50 or 60 points a year. He's, uh, he's good in the face-off circle. He kills penalties. And, and again, that ability to really raise his game come playoff time. Everybody tries. Not everybody puts up those numbers in the, in the postseason to uh, prove their uh, ability to get to another level. Logan consistently, if you look back, has done that. I'm fascinated by Timo Meyer and how things are going to go over the next year-ish for him. Uh, final year of his deal, it's a $6 million cap hit, but he's got that base salary of $10 million. So as an RFA, he'd have to be qualified at $10 million. Um, it's fascinating to me what's going to happen next for him. But if a team is going to go out and acquire him, I guess my question is this, Randy. Why do you think Timo Meyer should be the top coveted player available when the deadline does arrive? Well, he's, uh, you know, got the ability to put up 35 goals for sure. He's done it. I think he's got the potential to be a 40-goal score, maybe even a 45-goal score. Players like that don't come on the market that often. Um, he, he's done it a couple of times. He had 30 goals uh, back in 18-19. He, he looks like he's on his way to at least uh, another 30-35 to 35 goal season now. The other night he scored his 16th. He's, uh, he's a shoot-first guy. He, I think, is second in the NHL behind uh, David Pasternak in shots on goal. He's a great weapon. And he's still young. He's, uh, he's only 26 years old, and he's been healthy. He's never had any kind of a, a, a serious injury. Um, so I, I, I don't think that he's got any, um, any negatives there at all. He's, uh, he's a great teammate. He's, uh, he's been terrific in the community here in the Bay Area. He's the whole package, which, again, then you would say, well, why would you ever want to move him? But I think going back to what we said before, about the uh, the salary cap constraints and just where this franchise is right now, they've got Timo Meyer, but they're they're still not a playoff team with them. I think as they as they retool this team, uh, they they need a if you want to call them a nine ten million dollar forward like Timo Meyer, probably two or three years from now, and they can they can probably use 
his uh, value to extract some pretty nice pieces that will help them get there in that next couple of years. But that's just my guess. And, mm-hmm. you know, tomorrow Mike Greer might sign him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, pretty uh, spirited scrap the other night at center ice down at SAP with Jonah Gadfidge. Gadjevich and uh, Dennis Gilbert, Gilbert taking the worst of it. But has that been something the Sharks have been able to do this year, kind of stand up for themselves and be able to stand up to the task when those types of situations might arise? Because it can be tough if you're a team that's on the outside looking in and you're also getting pushed around. Yeah, I don't don't feel like they're a team that gets pushed around a lot. Um, Gadjevich, as you can see, can handle himself, and he's not in the lineup every night. Um, they had Jeffrey Biel up earlier from uh, the Barracuda, and he spent uh, you know half of last season in the NHL, and he's another guy who uh, knows his way around that area of the ice. And you know, there's probably some other guys who will do it as well, whether it's it's Matt Benning or um, or or others. Uh, I, I don't feel like it's a team that gets pushed around that much in a, in an NHL where that kind of aspect is changing. I know that it's always been a bigger part of a team like Calgary's DNA. And maybe it has been for the Sharks in the past as well. But, um, you know, I, I don't feel like this is a team that uh, that gets whipped on or that people uh, get on players like Timo Meyer or, uh, or Abarabanov or somebody like that, and there's no response. They've been pretty good in that area. Having said that, they're one of the least penalized teams in the league as well. Um, Randy, before I let you go, um, we, I think a lot of us, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but maybe you did, uh, caught that World Cup final on Sunday, which was incredible theater between Argentina and France. And there's that clip on social media going around of the Argentinian radio broadcaster uh, getting emotional with a call after uh, the final penalty kick went in and Argentina clinched winning the World Cup. Has there ever been a time in you doing a great job of a play-by-play guy, has there ever been a time where you've gotten emotional behind the mic? Well, first of all, I've done the World Cup. I did three of them, 1990, 94, and 2002 for uh, ABC, ESPN, and, and TNT back in the day. And I remember doing a game, and it was a playoff game between Argentina and Brazil, the two arch rivals of South America. And it was in Milan. And uh, winner goes home. A uh, winner moves on, loser goes home. And, um, and it, was one, it was a one nothing final for Argentina, um, Diego Maradona sent a pass to Claudio Canizia and scored the goal. And the way that the way it was set up was we were amidst all the Brazilian media. And whereas our setup is there's one television carrier for the World Cup, they let all their stations go apparently. So there were all these broadcasters there, and at the end of the game, on camera, they were all crying in tears in Portuguese, <laughs> bemoaning the fact that they had been eliminated from the World Cup. I mean, can you imagine? If the Calgary Flames were eliminated from the playoffs, and Kelly Rudy is is balling, <laughs> it, it, it just was, and, and and you know, and Rick Ball is beside himself with emotion. Uh, it just wouldn't happen. And uh, but it, it, it speaks to the passion and the emotion in the moment. Uh, for me, it's it, I've actually been brought to tears a couple of times. Uh, the first time the Sharks made the playoffs. Uh, in 1993, 94, uh, they won uh, game seven in Detroit. Jamie Baker scored the winning goal and they had improved by 53 points the year before. It was very emotional. I didn't cry on the air, but it choked me up. And then game seven, uh, in 2019 against Vegas and that incredible comeback that I'm sure most people remember when the Sharks were down three, nothing with about 10 minutes to go. And then 
Uh, and then what Barkley Goodrow wanted in overtime to eliminate Vegas. Those are the two times where I, I wouldn't say I was bawling like Andres Contour from Argentina, but I was definitely <laughs> verklempt. I was verklempt. Um, Randy, by the way, congratulations on calling uh, your 2000th game. Just an incredible accomplishment. Um, all the best. Randy Hahn, San Jose Sharks, play-by-play voice for NBC Sports California. 2000. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you, and a lesson to all you kids out there. And in light of that 2000 game mark, if you keep showing up for work every day, good things will happen. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write that that's, down. Uh, that's sound advice for everyone uh, out there. Uh, thanks, Randy. Great stuff. Randy Hahn on the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403 248. 3344. Come up and just show up to work every day. Good things will happen, Maddie. See? On time. Make sure you show up on time. Yep. You slept in a little bit today, which is fine. You still showed up for the show. Oh, yeah. Would never but miss Randy a show. Randy with good advice. Just show up. That's just all you got to do. That's it. Just show up. Smile um, on your face. Good attitude. Uh, wanted to get to a story uh, that's kind of uh, percolating along social media this morning. Uh huh. What's that? Uh, I know you're a big golf guy. You love the golf. Um, you love talking the golf. Uh, you and I have had uh, Adam Stanley on from Sportsnet. does a great job covering the game. Um, this is something that was kind of an under-the-radar storyline. We all know with all the, the live golf stuff and, and, and how the world rankings were getting all muddled and how the major tournament's going to look next year. Uh, and it was all we were all looking forward to what the Masters – and Augusta National was going to do with their invitation list. Yeah. Do you omit all the guys on the Live Golf Tour because it doesn't really count towards world golf rankings? And then how is it going to be really the Masters if you're missing out on some big names like a DJ, like a Cam Smith, like even Phil Mickelson, right? What Mm -hmm. are they going to do? This is going to be a big benchmark on what the other major championships will follow suit. I doubt the live guys will be able to play the PGA championship, but we'll cross that bridge eventually when we get to it. But according to Augusta National this morning, live players will be able to play at the Masters in the spring, Matty. Yeah, and uh, just seeing like, some of the prominent golf reporters that I follow on this, I don't think that there's a lot of surprise a lot among a lot of people who are uh, closely tied to this in the sense that the Masters has kind of said that they don't necessarily agree with what Live Golf is doing and with it being good for the sport as a whole. But at the same time, this is definitely not their fight to have. And as a result, um, they're going to let everybody in. And, and that makes sense for them because you'd be losing a large portion of your field if you don't allow the Live Golfers to come over and play in the, in, in the Masters and in some of these other major tournaments. It's going to be interesting to watch because it's going to be like the one time a year where, you know, to, to steal a bit of a wrestling term where you get like the Raw versus the SmackDown guys going head to head. A little bit of a Patty Dumas reference there more than anything. But I think there's going to be some, some intriguing uh, kind of moments at these Masters tournaments with so many kind of shots across the bow from the likes of Rory or any number of the guys that are on live that have kind of spoken poorly about the PGA tour. So I kind of like it for the drama around the tournament, 
Of course. Um, and, you know, I didn't watch like any live golf this year. I, I found the tournaments not really that intriguing to me. Uh, I did watch a lot of PGA Sundays, but that's just kind of how I things shook out for me. Um, I love learning things about you guys as we do this show uh, on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, Producer Patrick Dumas, you're a big wrestling guy? Sure am. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, so uh, tell me the Super Bowl of pay-per-views. Obviously, WrestleMania, but the Royal Rumble's around the corner, is it not? Yeah, Rumble will be coming up here end of January. I like a... (laughs) I I like... I like uh, the Money in the Bank. It's one of my favorites. Oh, they named on Money in the Bank is like the it's like a fifth big pay per view now. Oh, okay. They got rankings, kind of like uh, like the the PGA tournaments or like the ATP. Yeah. It's an ATP one thousand. You go Mania, you go Rumble, you go SummerSlam, you go Survivor okay. Series, you go Money in the Bank. Those are the big five. Now, okay, okay. Now, do they still have the Slammies, the awards for the wrestlers? They got rid of them. They haven't been the Slammies haven't been around for a while. The Slammies. Yeah, they're like yeah. the Oscars and Emmys, but for like wrestlers, like you got Superstar of the Year, <laughs> yeah. Match of the Year, Feud of the Year, stuff like that. But like they haven't done them on TV in a while. I know PWI, like the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, does their top five hundred rankings after every year. Top five hundred? Yeah, like the top five hundred pro wrestlers in the entire world. Oh my god, that's yeah. a lot. That's a big list to be on, and that's a now you want to be on that list. Yeah, I hope um, so. There, there was a clip uh, floating around on Twitter last week of Vince McMahon performing at the Slammies from the Oh, 1980s. yeah, his, 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 his dance and whatnot, his singing. Yeah. And the singing. Yeah, DX made fun of that. For yeah. some reason, I saw the video of him getting into the limo that explodes floating oh, around on Twitter yeah. recently. You don't want to and know I was why like, he had to come back on TV. And I was like, dude, they, they did some pretty good production value stuff with those broadcasts. Some yeah. of those... Some of those Feuds and such, they were they were pretty well done. Yep. Um, before we go, there's just two texts I want to get to. We uh-huh. asked uh, you, our listeners, what are Oilers and Canucks fans getting for Christmas? Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe from Copperfield, Oilers fans getting an eight-year extension for Puri Yarvi. Ha, ha, ha. So they're getting. And, uh, scored John, last night. Oilers... Scored a big one last night. Yeah. Uh, uh, scored Oil... the big one goal in a 5-1 loss. Uh, no, never mind. That was the Canucks. Uh, and John, uh, Oilers fans getting new dress shoes to wear with their new sweatpants. Nice, they're getting get them. So. May that... may have been sweatpants at one of the Christmas events I was at over the weekend. Oh wow! Okay, up in Edmonton, might all have right. been a pair uh, of sweatpants. Flames game night tonight. Uh, we'll be all over it tomorrow like a dirty shirt. Uh, Maddie's got to stay up late. Eight thirty start. <laughs> the Pat Steinberg telethon begins momentarily, and it'll be taking you through the night. Um, lots of stuff coming up on the radio station. As I mentioned, we'll be all over uh, the Flames and Sharks tomorrow. You want to talk golf tomorrow, maybe with this with this story? Yeah, we'll I'd love to talk a little time? bit of golf. Yeah, that would work for me. Go right. get Adam Stanley. There, Call Maddie. a boy, Adam. Yeah. All right, new dad, Adam. That. See how he's doing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. His first Christmas us. as a dad. Neato. What's wow. that like? Good for him. Uh, all right, that's it for us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.